This is the Game Theory Podcast, episode 19, Streamlining, with Brian Fife, Jim Fingal, and Tom Westberg. Live! Live from Concord, Massachusetts, it's the Game Theory Podcast! Yeah! Where is our laugh track? I think a, a, a laugh track or a clap track. I have to tell you... Um, you're going to bring up Big Bang Theory having a laugh track again, and I really don't like thinking about that. No, no, it's not about that. I'm talking about the reality, in air quotes, the reality TV shows, like the cooking shows, right? I, I was taking a cross-country plane flight, and they had DirecTV on the plane, so I was watching DirecTV. They had, like, some cooking show, and they're like, you forgot the salt. <laughs> the most overblown movie soundtrack for the most trivial little twists of, of the thing. And it's like, dun, dun, dun. Yeah, I, I enjoy the sensation of competition and I enjoy the feeling that they're being challenged, but I don't really need that soundtrack to underscore the emotions that I'm feeling. I, I'm doing just fine by myself. Thank you very much. Reality TV has its own whole collection of annoying tropes. Like the Without like pick pick the one instance of conflict that happens in the episode and and that's what gets flashed forward <laughs> for at the beginning of each segment. Yeah, without a doubt. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. We're here to talk about streamlining. What the hell is streamlining? Um, well, I think when you made this word up, Brian, <laughs> uh, I think you used used it to refer to the idea of a particular publisher or game developer between games in a series taking you know what they have in a pre-existing game or an earlier game and tweaking it in different ways that people may like or dislike based on fan feedback what the developers were were happy or unhappy with and and whatnot and it, it seems to be an interesting topic to think about how the, the process of game design works and you know what the games are actually made up of what are successful mechanisms in game versus ones that we find annoying? Optimization, seeking the essence. Yeah, A-B testing. <laughs> okay. and, oh, and, sure. Bring in the focus groups. And, and when getting away from just the emphasis that you made on sequels, there's a general trend, I think, that's been accepted or that seems to be present in most genres of games of making it a little simpler, making it a little easier to, to get your hand around. Part so, of the ad is like the influence on touch. Part of it's the change to controllers. And part of it's just that the what gamers want to deal with has changed, right? So it's, it's sort of like the meta streamlining within a genre where it's like, oh, in, instead of having to individually control 100 different units, instead you have squads of two squads of 50 that you direct them around and then AI controls them. Instead of selecting and moving around units on the field, making purchase decisions and doing like that, just tap the middle of the screen many <laughs> times. Just You'll get there. Tap it in, in a rhythm or or arrhythmically. Yeah. How know. can we turn this into a dancing game? <laughs> as long as there's one button. Yeah. Okay, so <clears throat> I will go there and bring up World of Warcraft streamlining because... That's probably the the game I've played the most. I thought we as, had to talk about this. Yes, we did, and I'm ignoring that. That's the probably the game I've played the most that has been streamlined the most ruthlessly. And and that's also streamlined because it's something that they're releasing patches to. It's not being streamlined between games. It's being your character that you've been working with gets streamlined, whether yes. you like it or not. Uh, right, to the point that... I attempted to play 
the streamlined version of World of Warcraft and did not understand how to play my character, realized that it really wasn't going to be hard for me to learn because there were far fewer things to bother to do and realized that I didn't care. Well, so what besides when I think of streamlining in World of Warcraft, because, you know, I only have an amateur's view of it, the the thing I think of is is nerfing paladins or or something like that. Okay, everybody open your drinks. This is the moment. <laughs> okay. All right. Nerfing paladins. There were probably there were so many different There, there were so many great did. callings in World of Warcraft. Come on. Yes. I the, the, the a major one was talent trees. Mm-hmm. That in addition to choosing your character class, you essentially had a a uh, character subclass, which is your your, your uh, build, talent right? specialization, yes, and it was a relatively uh, significant choice that you made. Which, you, for example, if you were a priest, you might be a dark, a shadow priest, and you could be a damage dealer and a really poor healer, or you could be a holy priest and be a kick-ass healer but couldn't hurt a kitten. Yeah, and that was a choice you made, and uh, you sort of made you that up front too. Well, right. that, that wasn't something you could change at all easily. Like you, right. you would change it once every month, once every couple months. Yes. So you you went through leveling your character in a PVE game, fighting things where you could do them very little damage, and you had to essentially shield yourself and so forth, and, and defensively make your way, way through. You really paid your way to being a high level healer. And consequently, because it really wasn't fun leveling at that, it was a rare character and in much demand for dungeon runs. Mm-hmm. So the you know the healers thought themselves awesome for that. Then they added a new thing that you could have dual talent special specialization. You could pay a whole bunch of gold because they were trying to figure out ways to pull gold out of the economy to mm-hmm. soak money out uh, of the, yeah out of the game and. So you could buy a second t- talent tree and add that. And so after you were level 40 or so, you could have leveled your way up as Shadow and then suddenly have Holy as your alternate and go into dungeons. So you have the, the same same number of points, but you can just switch between them. Right. Like you right. no longer right. had to choose between being a, a team-oriented player and having the rest of the game suck for you or like actually enjoying the game when you're on your own. That sounds like something that is good, except if you spend a bunch of time building up a healer and you had your ego invested in that. Well, that, that's there's a lot of righteousness that comes along with this. Actually, multiple things there. The other part of that is that, frankly, there's something to playing as a healer. You, you would be better at it, primarily Shadow Priest healers. Uh, Even when they switched over, they were right. pretty terrible healers because they, they, they were so used to like, aware hurting things. Of certain of the, the they did they didn't have all the cooldown cycles just in their bones mm-hmm. and so forth. Not that any of that was ever that hard, but in in the high, higher level dungeons, people who were had truly uh, been healers all the way were probably better. And it, now so, now so, now you're leading me though into the sort of insidious side of streamlining or the counterpoint to it, which is nostalgia which is the feeling that back in the day things were better um, and, and that, it, that, that's very much a part of the kickstarter scene now it seems like there's a thread of back in the day things are better but also like i paid my dues and everyone today has it easy right that's where i was kind of going with it it's almost 
as much a, a matter of they did hazing in my day, and I don't see any reason. I don't know that about this. You shouldn't I don't have know about this Care Bear version of the game. Yes, uh, for noobs. Right, doctors have always had to work eighty-hour weeks as interns, no matter how many patients fall over. We really think all new doctors should have to go through the exact same thing because it clearly brings out the best. Mm-hmm. World of Warcraft. Well, you're you're welcome to, to have another streamlining. To me, that's that's probably the most dramatically streamlined game I can think of because we, I've barely scratched the surface. That was just the the first uh, the first cut at it. Later, they started pulling out what you needed to do. For, you, you no longer needed to go to trainers mm-hmm. to get. You no uh, longer needed to upgrades. manually form a group. It would just magically happen. I mean, there are all kinds of things about the game that right. That changed, and there were some collateral effects, right? Sure. To doing that, good and bad. What do you think the source of this was? Was was this things that people were talking about in forums that they were were complaining about aspects of the game? Our, or... our hero Tobal likes to underscore the fact that most of the changes in the world of Warcraft that have happened, and and generally in any MMO as it goes through its life cycle are things that bring more people into the room, make more aspects of the game accessible, and make the game just generally less hard. Moving the le- the number of players requirement from 40 to 20 to maybe 10 opened up aspects of the end game to people that would otherwise never have a chance to see it. Sometimes when I think of streamlining, I think of a data-driven thing, like an optimization, whereas those things that you're talking about sound like game design choices to make something easier or more accessible, not necessarily an observed problem that a bunch of people are running into. So no, this is not like the guys at Bungie, like drawing heat maps on the Halo PVP levels and going, this corner right here is a problem because everybody dies here and we don't want that to happen. So if we just bevel it off a little bit, now people won't get ganked as much. So they'll have more fun. Yeah, I, I can imagine several motivations in the dark recesses of Blizzard as they, they came up with these things. One would be that they want to pull in more players and somebody believes that all of the hardworking players are done, that nobody is ever going to discover World of Warcraft and want to actually work at it ever again. Another might be that they've they look at it and say, there's now such a wide span of levels that new characters would not want to take six months to level up to the level cap and feel way behind almost everybody, including idiots who had just simply been there for. Well, as as the world moves on, yeah, the the gap to the end game gets uh, right. wider. So, so they, and that's something that, as someone who dabbled in Eve, was something that was very apparent. Where there were time based skill things, where there was no way you just had to wait. Well, and, Eve, and Eve was a, but Eve, Eve was a stated yeah. gerontocracy. Like that is fundamental to the design of the game. Right, that's their revenue source. Don't don't give up your subscription. You don't have to actually play the game. Just keep paying us. Well, and also, it's not just the revenue source. It's the the players who are titans among men are the ones that drive the economy, the ones that drive the drama and the intrigue. And so if you make them supremely powerful, suddenly you have your actors in this drama that is Eve. True. I mean, somebody's got to make those super carriers. (laughs) The other example of streamlining that we've talked about already is a game like XCOM where there was a retro game, it was hard 
unfair and dare I say cruel, as well as my word uh, fiddly. A retro game or just an a, XCOM a, UFO the original defense. game. Yeah. XCOM defense, the original game where you would have to pull a clip off of your belt, eject the clip off of your rifle, snap the new clip in, and make sure you could all do it within one turn to reload a pistol. Uh, this was a real thing. You actually had to do that. You actually had to do that. <laughs> and like you had to play Jenga with the stuff in your inventory to get it all to fit in your backpack and your belt. It took more energy to get something out of your backpack than it did to get it off your belt. That, that kind of stuff. This was a real part of the game. That sounds very fiddly. Yeah. <laughs> it's extremely fiddly, but it's a simulation. You know, they got rid of all that crap with XCOM Enemy Unknown to the extent that there isn't ammo at all as a concept. You can reload but there's never a thing where you have to like build clips of ammo and, and manufacture and purchase. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's certain. There are cooldowns and and sometimes there you have limited skills where you have two rockets or something like that. Yeah, well, that's what they did. It. They said like you know, you get one rocket, full stop, mm -hmm. as opposed to as many rockets as you can stuff into your bag. But if you're using the awesome rocket, you have to like make them from alien parts and all that all that stuff. The new game was true to the essence of the original it was a highly strategic isometric was it isometric uh I, I think it's isometric style yeah isometric style and and all those other wonderful things but it didn't have all the crap and the cruft and even a a player i think who would sing the praises of the original XCOM, most human people would still like walk off the little carrier ship get shot by an alien right as they step out and just be like man this game sucks <laughs> So this, this Especially is example, after you realize it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, so th this seems like an example where the percentage of the, the population of people who played the original XCOM who are unhappy with with the change to, to the new one is probably pretty low. I would think so. Part of that's Sheer just, speculation. But. Yeah, part of that's there's, there's just been a long period of time between the original XCOM and the, the, the recent one. So everyone, everyone got old and it feels as hard as the old game used to be. Maybe. Well, also, it's not like, you know, it's every six months they're, they're churning out a new XCOM. Mm -hmm. And, oh, my God, what do they do to my baby? Guess. It's interesting, this notion of sequels as streamlined. Streamlining and also just small iterations on, on games seem... Well, but I, but I think streamlining implies that it's there's a simplification at play. Okay. We, we can talk about the way sequels refine and improve and yeah, perfect I'm... one of the interesting things that, that tie into that are there's so many game reviews that i read where i'll go and look at stronghold 2 or army of brothers 5 or whatever and they say well this is a great game but like if you own the first one i'm not you know i'm not sure you you know it's only marginally better but then it gets an 80 and the first one got a 90 mm -hmm. and so they're like well if you're coming to this new you, you want to buy the second one they don't give you clear guidance on which is actually the better of the two games if yeah. you're going to pick just one like an example of that bioshock one and bioshock two <laughs> no no the answer is by the first one yeah like i I'm, I'm not even sure what what happened in 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 the second one in terms of like well it was, sure it was were, done by were... another studio that's what happened cha-ching well, bioshock <laughs> cha-ching that's all it was it was you've got the art assets we don't even have to hire artists let's just go for it <laughs> Send them back down there. All the water effects are done. I can't remember if there were any different mechanics other than I think you, pro you probably had new abilities. Oh, well, and, well, there were there were the yeah the bees were orange this time. There were there were fast big daddies right there. New new enemy types. I was thinking about this the the 
the non-streamlining era, which was in the old days, in the coin days. In my day. You would go basically from Defender to Stargate. And they larded on lots of new enemies. And for a game that had a zillion buttons, they added a couple more. <laughs> that sort of thing. You went from Galaxians to Galaga. It's essentially the exact same game with... Space Invaders, things just swooping in on you, but they it came in lots of extra patterns and, well, and but, there but were that bonus was, that ways. That was largely like a reflection of like more under, hardware, right? Like th there were part of it, but it was also just we're doing a sequel. You need to do more. Well, and that seems like that. That's like the Halo model. In it's in also the movie model. The we need to be bigger, bigger, <laughs> a bigger yeah. shark for Jaws too. <laughs> Yeah, I think it, when I, a lot of FPSs are like that. With I when I was thinking of, I need a bigger, bigger boat, <laughs> <laughs> an even bigger boat. Killzone is an example where I can't think of anything other than the sequels being bigger and you know graphics better, more impressive. Same thing with the Gears of War games. Like I imagine there were incrementally new, interesting weapons that were added on with with each one, but it's not like I could tell you from Gears of War one to Gears of War two what what the difference was well you're talking in the absence of some super controversial change mm -hmm. like what do you what do you look for and i think as a way of commenting on what you're saying like if somebody wants to play assassin's creed mm -hmm. what you say to them is if money is no object go and buy the latest one that will be the best assassin's creed experience that you can have not according to Krista. Not according to Krista. <laughs> I still think the first one would be the best one. Best but you don't think have. that, like, I mean, as they've chunked them out, there's more more jumps, more this, more that. I've, it, with, with Assassin's Creed, my experience has been there's in Assassin's Creed 2, the thing that got added on was not so much the fundamental aspects of the gameplay, which stayed the same. They, they you know, struck gold with the original one. It's you know super fun to move around. They didn't really change. It was fresh and aspects new, yeah. of that. Mm -hmm. They added on the ability to have a city and you're buying things and you know you're you're earning gold and. So that can... wasn't streamlining. That was larding on. It was larding on a, a me too feature in in some ways. It, it was side quests. <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, it's professions. Not the player housing. <laughs> <laughs> the first game I played over the course of like two days and 23 hours and it had a certain purity to it. And it's now this is the nostalgia coming in. <laughs> right. You have to be careful because they also didn't get everything right. And there are essentially things that are reasonable to file down. Well, how about, so uh, how about a less controversial one? I mean, Grand Theft Auto, right? I would posit that Grand Theft Auto, the latest one is the best. Just one. get the latest one. Yeah. yeah. And part of that is they take a long time in between and you essentially are, they are, they're, you see the technology generations. Well, they were talking uh, about like the, the, the physics that, that they applied to the, the, the protagonist, the way he balances like the weight on his feet when he walks. Like there's actual stuff going on there. They also are just model. getting better at what they do. Well, there's a guy that's, there's, a, there's a guy at Rockstar, right? That's like, I'm the guy that figures out car suspension stuff or whatever. I've done it. You know, last generation of game, I can do it the next generation of game. And they're also copying every movie, you know, cinematography trope that they can. And so it's more up to date for what you're seeing on the big screen. More Jason Statham, less... Uh... Actually, I'm not sure who copies whom, now that I think about it. <laughs> the Hollywood directors may be pulling it out of <laughs> Grand Theft Auto games. 
Well, so I'm I'm curious as someone who only played Mass Effect one and hasn't played Mass Effect two or three. I know this is a no. I'm in the same boat, but I a, did hear in Mass Effect two they still have a different crappy car for you to drive on the surface of planets. So apparently that. Well, didn't so there's go a, away. a different crappy car for you to drive around the surface of the planet, but you don't scan for minerals. Is that the one of the differences? I don't know. Tom, did you play the two and three? All right, no, so we're no. all, we're all speculating. For shame. Yeah, <laughs> I I bought Mass Effect one very very optimistic but between the elevators and driving around on planets i just the blue, combat blue alien awesome. sex was not enough to drag me forward <laughs> if the streamlining happened in just having the combat i'd be happy with that because that was super fun you'd almost say you know why don't they just make that a mode why can't <laughs> i just play that game it, the, it's yeah. not true to the spirit man you don't know what it was like to play this game back in the day the mode where all you do is drive around on the surface of a planet. Is that... That's yeah, desert bus mode. An interesting sequel progression that I was thinking of. I don't know how this this fits into the topic, but Fallout One, Fallout Two, and then Fallout Three. Fallout One and Fallout Two. Fallout Three. Who oh boy? What yeah. that? What's that game? Right. We're bringing all of our Elder Scrolls technology and styles to this. Well, but Elder Scrolls game. was always a, a first person shooter, and. No, but one from I'd, I'd say that the RPG nature of it, that they, they, they pulled so much out of Elder Scrolls. How they learn what kind of character you want to be. And well, it's, no, it's, so it's the Elder Scrolls with laser beams. <laughs> if they would have done Fallout 3, you know, when Fallout 3 came out in the style of Fallout 1 and 2, that, that wouldn't have felt natural to people who... It would have been trying too hard games. and it wouldn't have appealed to a new generation of gamers. Well, it, it, would, have been, it would have been a conscious retro thing rather than what fallout one and fallout two were doing was with the times that 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 they were being made so it's an it's an interesting transition in in like what rpgs were when fallout 2 came out versus when fallout 3 came out is that a child uh, it's a kitchen streamlining huh yeah so streamlining uh, see that that's fallout a, one that, fallout we, two fallout three that's what we call a, a failed segue <laughs> So we've seen examples of streamlining that, that work, the XCOM thing. We see, we've seen things that do not appear to be streamlining, like the addition of professions, side quests, and player housing in, in sequels that appear. Well, yeah, that, that's the Lardinon model, an iteration that is not strictly improving on the, the core competencies of the game. Well, and ignoring the, the career mode that happens in these games, there's also sort of another anti-pattern if that's a correct term in streamlining, which is like with the sports game, sort of the increased complexity that comes into these games generation after generation, right? Uh, if you look at the Madden or the Tiger Woods or whatever, they seem to continue making these these games more and more more and more complicated. I can't even talk. You guys are very slowly <laughs> grabbing cookies in oh, slow man. motion. We were very quietly grabbing you, cookies. But you were hyper-telegraphing everything. It was like... Yes, uh, we're quite pleased, too. I, I, can, I can tell. This is so good. Yeah, but speaking of anti-patterns in, in streamlining, it, is, that a, is that a correct way to say it? Am I, am I sounding erudite? And, oh, yes. Hold on, I just got to take this off. Oh, thank you. What you don't see right now is Aaron is bringing cookies and milk <laughs> to our podcasters right now. Hmm. Whole milk. <laughs> I'm so happy right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sweets. Oh, you didn't want one, did you? <laughs> no, no, I'm good. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Yeah, the sports are an interesting one that I wanted to suggest as a topic, but I know nothing about them. I was so. going to say, I, I assume they pretty much just keep adding things well, to well, they, command, they, but I don't Well, they know. add things like career modes and all kinds of other peripheral complexity elements, but I believe they also just you know make the game more sophisticated as time goes on, which is why EA, you know, toyed around with this all play concept for a while, which is like somebody could walk up and pick up the controller and just mash the button and actually pass the ball where, you know, if you hadn't played three generations previous and and earned your way up, you would have no idea how to do this stuff on the, on the game. My limited experience with sports games is pretty much taken up by the, the Tony Hawk series. And that was an interesting progression where Tony Hawk 2, which is the game I played most, is my favorite. And then the physics changed in Tony Hawk 3, probably to be more realistic, but it totally subverted the hundreds and hundreds of hours I was used to playing in 2, and I couldn't do the most basic of tricks because I was optimizing my moves for a different physics engine. Well, I felt the same way playing, you know, the third or fourth generation of the SSX snowboard game where it had just gotten so crazy that, you know, I think if I had picked up the first gen game, I'd be able to do some stuff. But with this, it was just so gonzo. I didn't even know what was going on. Right. Well, there, there's realistic simulation and then there's fun. And, <laughs> and they're often really, really different. Well, I'm not talking about realistic simulation. I'm talking about as these you know generations of players have done this game, the maps have gotten so much more sophisticated and difficult and secret side roads and it's sort of like watching somebody play super mario brothers for the first time when you've been playing it just by yourself and they like beat the level by going you know they beat the game in 15 minutes you're just like what did you just do i have what did you just do you know you didn't even know that that was available well in in the ssx example that seems like the anti-world of warcraft in in the sense that it's a game that has continued to add on new features and added complexities to the map that are servicing the core audience of people who have been getting really good at the game over, over the course of the, the different sequels rather than making it easier. It's like the, the SSX and the Tony Hawk games are almost going in the opposite direction. That's right. We were talking about sort of the, the opposite of streamlining, which is having a game that sort of starts you where it dropped you off at the end of the first game. But it doesn't have to be larding on. Your example there, you can have just lots of things for the cognoscente to know about and and and, and lots of depth that a, a regular player may be able to pick up the game just about as easily as ever and have a good time and the players who've who've been in the series forever will know about cool shortcuts and so forth it was a uh, 3d driving game called san francisco rush it was essentially a, a driving game that decided to have a san francisco <laughs> with very low gravity and um oops, very, very low just... gravity and suspensions that did not fail right uh yes and it is a, it was a very very bad game to play just before you got in your car so you'd be going over hills and taking taking air more and more to the point that you were driving from rooftop to rooftop and there were strategic ramps and so forth. And these were very cool shortcuts in the game. In the later ones, you'd drive through people's windows and, and so forth. And they had just built these interesting shortcuts in. And the players who had stayed with it would, would be looking for them. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of their reward. 
and the regular players would stay on the, the road and they were still having a good time. Uh, I think that's a good way to uh, add on and, and continue to reward your fan base without blocking out brand new characters. It's a delicate balance to to hit and it seems like the, the designers that do that have to actually know their game and know their players rather than just no trends in, in the industry to have this idea that adding realistic physics is something that people want or that would make the game better. When I think, Tom, you were also just talking about the general attention that must exist whenever somebody embarks on this process, which is how do I offer something to both somebody who's picked up this game for the first time and somebody that just finished the first one? Because there are very few games that sort of unapologetically target either one or the other demographic. Anybody want to challenge? Either, challenge one, that one or you of, both do full of cookie to talk. mouths are full. Targets one, one or the other as in either only targeting the people who played the previous game or totally forgetting the people who have played the previous game. I mean, an example of... Like, well, you, no, you're, ne- you're never going to see like Halo 4. By the way, if you played Halo 3, you're cool. You don't need this one. Yeah. Well, but, but, but like Half-Life 2 Episode 3, you pretty much need to play Episode 1 and Episode 2. Are there even three episodes? I'm, I'm so lost. But that's, that's an example of a, a series where... There's a little bit of technology change in, in between them, and it's pretty much expected that that you have to play them in, in sequence to enjoy them. Episodic content, Sam and Max, Monkey Island. I've n- don't no even games. say it. I haven't played them. Really? Yeah. On the iPad. Is that what? What was I supposed to say? That's a great game. Oh, I wasn't supposed to say that. that I dislike them. Why? Well, I can't say that because I haven't played them. Do you not like them? I haven't played them. It, this isn't like Harry Potter. I haven't read it. This is I've. I just haven't played them. Are you saying that because you don't want to say you don't like it? Or are you saying it because you really haven't played it? Are you like haven't played it? I he winks. No Monkey Island and no Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. Are you an oxygen breather? I I do breathe oxygen. But you read the Hunger Games. I did. Yeah, the Hungry Games. I I read all three of them. I, I love the movie. And you watched. Star Wars episodes one through three. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And you watched the Matrix two. I uh, the one with Cornel West, yeah. But no Harry Potter. But no Harry Potter, no. And no Monkey Island. Yeah, I've the idea I have a Monkey Island in my head is King's Quest five with monkeys. No, <laughs> it's like Space Quest with monkeys. Space Quest is that the 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 iPad game? <laughs> That's Space Team. It's a totally different game. It's more, it's more oriented towards humor, I think, is where it goes. So it's, I, it's I, more love, like... I love the scene in Space Quest where like there's a metal plate lying against a, a UFO, and you go to pick up the metal plate, and like you just lop off both your hands, and the blood starts gushing out, and then you flop over, and he goes, well, guess it was sharper than it looked. <laughs> so, so it's more like Maniac Mansion. Less, more scripted humor. Less, uh, less. Uh, well, Maniac Mansion is one of the Lucas Arts games, isn't it? But Mani- isn't Maniac it a scum game. But yeah, but Maniac Mansion is sort of more Larry David humor, I think. It's possible that I haven't played Monkey Allen because it it is it seemed over the top humor. Is it over the top? Zoe likes it, okay. and you will too. Okay. If only to experience the sword fighting, you should play the game, and then you can move on. 
it's a sword fighting good on the iPad? Yes, it is just <laughs> as good as it is on the PC. <laughs> yes. Um, so what were you saying about episodic content? Sam and Max. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, The Walking Living Dead. Walking Dead. Yeah. Yeah. That one, that was one where it was... That, that's clearly like, okay, you need to go in sequence, right? You go in sequence and an example where it's more like a, a TV season than the, the Half-Life model where... The technology is pretty much exactly the same for all of them, and they release them over a more condensed period of time. You know, late, later episodes in the sequence don't make any sense unless you've played previous ones, but nothing has really been iterated or, or changed upon in, in the core engine, as far as I could tell. Well, The Walking Dead is a game you play for the articles, right? Play <laughs> for the... what, what do you mean, Brad? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's story-driven. Yeah. A lot of the the payoff at the the very end is based on small things that you've done over the course of all the different episodes. Yeah, you want the revelations to come in order. It would make even though the technology is better in Portal Two and the game is longer. If you played that, you'd have lost the unveiling of Portal, of essentially your your growing antagonism with Glados mm-hmm. that uh, was. The, the major portion of, of the character uh, development in yeah. the game. So but, I'm curious, Jim, is there a game that you would say you should go for the sequel before you'd go for the original? Because we've just, we've, we all agree the Portal one, just play that one. Yeah, I mean, any, any of the Halo games or the Killzone or, or Gears of War. Just pull the one on the top of the stack. I know? mean, I have no idea. Within playing a Halo game or a Gears of War game, I have no idea where the story is going or what, what happened the episode well, who before. Who gives a Fallout about this story? probably the example we had earlier in which Fallout 3 is clearly new technology. And do you do you really feel you're going to play Fallout 1? We all it tried doesn't. to go back and play Mass Effect 1 to, to hop on board with the series. And that was sort of a dismal failure. And... Well, and this gets to the dark side of nostalgia. Plenty of games aimed at nostalgia are probably game designers just cheating, uh, having failures of imagination, uh, or deciding that they want to have cheap budgets. I know. I, I think it's deeper than that. I think... There are people that want to connect. Ten million, a hundred or a hundred million, whatever that. There, there are people that. that game. There are people. Well, see, that's a pseudo nostalgic game. There are people that want to connect with their original gaming experiences. They think, man, I should go back and play Legend of Zelda. I should go back and play that game. I mean, the Fallout example, like deciding to go back and play Fallout One or Fallout Two, would necessarily be like a retro choice, much more so than deciding to play. Halo 2 or Halo 3 before Halo 4, just because of the... The generational the gap between yes. the games, yeah. It, it's sort of like the the concept of hardcore PvP MMOs, right? Where everybody thinks they want to play one, but in practice, they're usually not that hot for mechanical reasons. And, and the same thing kind of, as much as the original XCOM was hardcore and awesome, the new one's more fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you aim for nostalgia because people had fun. Uh, I'm not sure that I really want EverQuest One and uh, being able to lose levels when I die. Are the nostalgic games that come out now streamlined retro games? 
Super Meat Boy is definitely not an example of that, where that's definitely had a retro feel to yes. it and was a platformer, but they advanced the art in, in a way, and it was not at all streamlined. <laughs> it was No, that's a good point. I'm thinking of, are there some examples of remakes that are on Kickstarter that are like, we're going to make a game that's true to the original? It seems like that would be a crash and burn move, even though... I mean, you get wistful about like all the time you play, you spent playing Fallout 2. Yeah. And how you wore that game cover to cover, you know, every page was turned down and you were into that at the time that you were playing it. Yeah. But, well, but it, there were a lot of factors that were different. I mean, you were younger, you had more uh, available time. Fewer games. <laughs> there just weren't that many games out that were worth playing at the time and your expectations were different. I'm I'm curious because I still haven't actually reached the face. point where any of the games I've backed on Kickstarter have become games yet. <laughs> but one of them Well, well FTL was a smashing success. And I was I was late to that party. The well, one me game too, I, but I don't regret it. <laughs> yeah, one the a game that I did back which is a a retro targeted game. I I can't remember the name of the game now, but it's targeted as basically the spiritual successor to Master of Orion 2. And that's one of those games that the four X style yeah. game. And just ju- just like just like Civilization, that's one of those games that intrinsically like, unless you do some pretty crazy things like the latest Civ did, it gets pretty unwieldy pretty fast, just by its very nature, right? I keep coming back to this suspicion that many of these are retro because their game development team doesn't have the budget to do the artwork. You, no, no, you, you're, you're talking well, well, about this one the sort is actually of, like a new like, sort of dissing of pixel art, and that's fine. But I don't think that's what we're talking about today. Well, this particular <clears throat> one with the like the the Master of Orion spiritual remake, I think the more what you would critique of it was that all of the interesting game design ideas happen with Master of Orion two, and this is just making a hi fi version of it. And the the retro part is you're basically playing the same game, but they're Age of Empires two HD. As long as you don't try to get sixty dollars out of me for it, if you, you you make it an iOS game or something for five or even ten dollars, if it's if it's a, a a really worthy remake, I'm actually okay with that. And that is that is true nostalgia. All of the the retreads I, of the I bought it on Steam because on I bought it on Steam because it was my moral duty. Right. Well, <laughs> plenty of these were done on DOS originally. If, if the companies hadn't been working at keeping them up, we wouldn't be playing them. I have to take a bathroom break. Yep. I didn't Just tell you. Here. I sold my IS-3, which is my Tier 8 Russian Heavy, and bought an IS-8, which is a Tier 9 Russian Heavy. I wow. come back. Are we talking about streamlining in World of Tanks? No, there's no such thing in World of Tanks. In World of Tanks, it's just... They're going to create new things for you to pay them money for. Yeah, World of Tanks is an exercise in st- steadily increasing complexity. Also not the World of Warcraft model. I would say it's the EVE Online model. Yeah. They uh, successfully segregate player population by, by battle level, so they don't alienate newbies by and large, because you really can't overpower your level 3 tank. Well, yeah, and you can't buy your way into level 9. They they keep finding ways to give the the whales sugar. I don't think they do it enough because it would offend the righteous uh, unwashed I masses. Think I think they do it plenty as as one who is probably a whale, and I would <laughs> really rather not to be <laughs> be tempted more.
streamlining. We reach any conclusions here? Well, it could be good and bad. <laughs> oh, these both there are both upsides and downsides there, to streamlining. Good oh, talk. I, I actually I was I, there was there was actually an aspect that I uh, was thinking about and sorry, I'm going back to World of Warcraft. You were talking about the changes that made in-game content more accessible. And it occurred to me part of that almost certainly is the management at Blizzard coming in and saying we spent ten million dollars. How do we squeeze this on lemon? Yeah, <laughs> these uh, raid events that you did entirely new orchestral music and all of these textures and and and, and everything. New scripting and, and, added to and the so engine. Yeah. completely new things and nobody sees it, but three percent of of our game population make it accessible. Mm -hmm. I I have to believe that that's part of the motivation the other thing that has happened is they made conscious choices in the game to preserve a sense of community a sense of space and vastness in the world somebody was talking about how you know maybe it was tobal talking about like the the waiting half an hour for a boat in everquest 2 created all this community because people would just duel and talk and chat or whatever these people did in that game and the same thing was true for the zeppelins and the boats and the griffin travel and all this stuff and you know it used to be you could only fast travel to one place in the game and you could travel to three places in the game and you know eventually it's ah screw it you go where you want to go uh, <laughs> right. or, and now and, they'll you need to get to another place and it's way across the continent i here here's somebody who will teleport you yeah. <laughs> pixel perfect teleport that is good for the player to get from place to place, but it absolutely crushes the sense of space. But they don't care anymore. In the same way, they don't care about you having to build groups and build friends because nobody talks anyway. So you may as well be able to summon a random group from any server. I, I sense that what you're trying to get at is that the, the actual enjoyability or positive design aspects of the game are... It's, it's, it's not just a case of... Previously, it was more difficult or more complex, and, and we paid our dues. But actually, previously, there was something good about the game, which has sort of been been erased in an effort to get more people to play it. Well, there was a philosophy behind the choice they made. But you know, your kids get older, you start to loosen up on the rules, and then they either eat the vegetables or they don't. It's not, not within your control anymore. <laughs> I, I also suspect, in their defense, I suspect that they discovered that the old-timers were just plain tired waiting of the slightly hard core. Yeah, you can only wait for a boat for so many hours right. of your life over a number of years <laughs> before right. you say, it, it, I'm it, done here. It was fun. We can look back and think upon that and so forth. But really, I just want to get to the stupid dungeon. And if I could just click an icon and when my team is ready, I'll be teleported there. I'm so happy. Just about everybody playing the game as they came up with Dungeon Finder was happy about the ways in which you could be in the middle of questing and suddenly it pops up and you go into the dungeon and you come back out and you continue questing. Why waste your time? And people ran more dungeons. Right. It changed the personality of the game and ultimately probably not for the best, although I only the, the Blizzard economists know for sure. Hmm. <laughs> what does best mean? Well, in That's terms tough. of Blizzard, what is, what is best, the best, mean? best means, you know, ARPU or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Best will... Reducing churn. Was, yeah. Right. Reduces churn. 
I'm I'm even thinking for things like the waiting for the Griffin or Zeppelin or whatnot. Like the positive aspects of the gameplay that came out of that seemed like they were probably emergent and not by design. No, they were by the. They were absolutely by design. The, the, this was when they were building World of Warcraft. These were some of the things they did. I mean, when you think about all the care like they, and they thought, decided to make you wait so that you would talk to people and well, and no, largely they did made you wait so that you would get a sense of the vastness of the world. Okay, and so that your mental map of I don't know if you played Grand Theft Auto a lot. Like I've, I've waited for Zeppelins before, but yeah, but you're like okay, uh, go down the road and turn left and then pass the shop. Like it's you could give Red somebody, Dead the same way, you could right? give somebody directions to the saloon or to this or that, because you have this well-developed map in your mind of where everything is. Mm-hmm. And that only happens when you are forced to build a well-developed map in your mind of where everything is. <laughs> Cause you drive there. Right. Yeah. As opposed to click, I need to be at the disco. Ding. Yeah. And Red Dead Redemption was the the funny thing where during a quest you generally were were riding a horse, but I did so much riding my horse out like away from roads and train lines so that I could make a camp and then teleport somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, you ride out of town, stop, poof. Yeah. (laughs) Though I still had a sense for the the vastness of that world. Right. They they achieved that. Yeah. But but that's an interesting thing where my use of campsites in that game got more and more frequent as my patients got less and less for having to do quest after quest after quest of of primarily traveling across the world. Or racing. <laughs> yeah, or racing or driving a buggy or... Uh, stagecoach. Uh, you never really drive a buggy. You're, you, you do the, the stagecoach. You drive in the back of a buggy. Oh, yeah, they have the... Yeah, okay. You ride in the back of the buggy. Yeah. yeah. Spoilers. Spoilers, there's technology in Red Dead Redemption. Yikes. Anything else? Nope, well, good and bad. <laughs> do we want to go through the, the five failures of uh, streamlining again? You want to you wanna <laughs> the, SEO this thing? They're, they're not our choices. <laughs> I don't think we probably... <laughs> especially since we haven't even played all those games. I, what I want is I want a a verdict on what is the point of a sequel? Why make a sequel of a game? What, what should somebody think about before they start that process of making another game? I mean, certainly the easiest thing to say is if there is more story to tell. I mean, Half-Life Episode 3, like who cares if they don't introduce new game mechanics? I want more of this, which is good. There is something to be said for the halo gears of war model where this this the streamlining and in the iteration that happens is more and better and it's a continuation of the story but the well that's the annual installment plan right yeah the annual or biannual or or whatnot where the games are getting better but it's because the what the game has going for it is awesome graphics and great action and and cool weapons and, and well, and it's it's largely a factor of shooters. I mean, the the thing that we always say about shooters is you never want to go back and play an old first person shooter mm-hmm. because the you best jump one, in Goldeneye. the latest one is always the best one, for the most part. There are some things but to bear in mind. There like, are frequently technology demos. So Crisis. Well, is that that's why the, the latest example. That's why the latest one is always the best one. I mean, it, Mario Brothers is still good, but Doom is not. So that that's an example where. Less streamlining, more more iteration and and gradual improvement of technology, which I wish that 
Half-Life had less of that. I, mean, I wish they, they would just use the same technology and, and finish the series. <laughs> Which is the Walking Dead model. Yeah. We, we have examples of iteration between games which seems positive because what they're what they're going for is fundamentally conservative right it's the they're not even really lardy non much more stuff they're just like making what you did before better have you ever been offended by a streamlined sequel or a subsequent release of a game hmm now i gotta think of this (sighs) this is where us not doing our homework comes to bite us in the ass i think that's got to be my reaction to world of warcraft's current state yes the game that it, if you had started with the latest one i might have been fine yeah but i but, might have had great fun but as it was you'd built up a body of skill and you had to walk away from it to play this new game i wasn't offended but i was disappointed in bioshock 2 the example of but it the, wasn't really was it streamlined that it was. I didn't feel it was. It was an example of of they were trying to iterate and add a little bit more with like, with new assets and, the, the, and new types of enemies. I, but my was, my word would be exploit. Yeah, well, because the the first one had so much going for it in terms of it felt like the sequel was the sequel to a different type of game. What the the first game had going for it was the world and discovering this for the for the first time and this alien interaction with the 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 big daddies and and little sisters and the second game was like oh like what you want is to fight with big daddies and of course you know if you start out as a big daddy everyone will like that more and you know cooler enemies and whatnot when what was awesome about the first one was was just the discovery of the world piecing together the story the different choices yeah the, the different choices than just learning about that world for the first time whereas the second one was like all right you're in that same world and here's a little bit more content it was, it was almost like that's like the dlc sequel <laughs> now i i didn't play this i didn't fall for this but sim city might be a good example of a failed streamline attempt the the cities can't be as large they've tried to add this whole new sophisticated aspect but a lot of what was interesting about the game or maybe not okay, they got rid of power lines, they got rid of sewers, that that's good, right? Like, now you can't make a big city anymore. The, in the interest of simplicity, they've taken some things away from the game. And, and I think it's not that's not actually the story in SimCity. It's more like in the interest of these little tiny Sim people having real hearts and feelings and ambitions, like they, they took away from like the zoom out and see your city kind of effect of the game. And some people were not too happy about that. Mm-hmm. Um, another good candidate to discuss as a as a disappointment in streamlining would be Diablo three, where the old game was one where you had to invest in a character and play through, and then you, if you wanted to try a different build, you would start over. And Diablo three is just like, eh, change t- change your talents, change your abilities, nothing matters. Go yeah, well, it, yeah, Diablo three is interesting because as someone who only played it for a few hours, it was functionally identical to Diablo two. And Which was good. There was so much that was positive about that, and it was technologically, it was brought up to date. All sorts of nice things, some cool abilities, some variation between between character classes, which felt like playing a, a different way. I actually feel it got broken by several things, including... Streamlining the, the gear, yes. <laughs> right, the, the auction house. The, the, that, that, that so much in it was 
revolving around the ability for them for them to monetize the stupid auction house. <laughs> that feels like that's a relative of having like the the manor in Assassin's Creed 2 where this is this you know brand new thing where you know here's this mechanic from some other game that we're putting in this game but for Diablo 3 it seems and, like and it if was... they'd made it so that and you could pay dollars to get special gold coins to get these things you would understand the true motivation yeah. <laughs> behind that that particular that's, shop that's actually something i think they built into majesty on the ios which is a mediocre game but whatever they have a thing where if you run out of money in a game you can do an in-app purchase to get more money and it's just such a, I mean, EA, I think, or one of these companies demoed this in one of the shooting games. Like, wouldn't it be great if when you were in a multiplayer game and we gave you a button to push, you know, for five cents, I'll fill your clip up again or something. Oh, you know? my God. It's coming. It's coming. As soon as they can find out a way to get it past our outrage censors. Uh, Isn't there a uh, episode of The Simpsons where they, they, they flash forward to the future and uh, they make some some comment about how they they never noticed the the progression of Fox becoming a hardcore p- pornography channel. <laughs> Just like happened little by little. Yeah, it happened by by inches. If yeah. you will. Ooh, I I feel like the the addition of the the real money adding that that's a reliable way to trigger outrage. <laughs> yeah, but that's unfortunately not streamlining either. I mean, I, I think it's been a good talk. We haven't nailed on to some some serious. Maybe we just need to rename what the episode is. <laughs> And then everything will just will come together. What should we call it? <laughs> uh, iteration. Wait, we already have one called Iteration? No. Hmm. This has been the Game Theory Podcast, Episode 19, Iteration. Thanks for listening.